0: Welcome to Soul Searching, the Soul Recruitment Podcast, where we tackle all sorts of great topics in the areas of recruitment, job searching, mindset, technology, marketing, culture, and lots more. It's amazing what you'll pick up. Thanks for joining me. Well, welcome back, everyone. Another great episode of Soul Searching, the Soul Recruitment Podcast. It's our tech series part four, and I have the fantastic Jonathan Dowdle in the house. How are you doing, Jonathan?
1: Very well. Thanks for having me on, Darren.
0: Have I pronounced your name correctly? You, you have. You did,
1: you did a really good job. Oh, that.
0: There you go. I did it. Well done. <laughs> but for everybody out there, we're going to tackle a very interesting topic and a topic that's more and more pressing every day, ethical hacking and its place in this cybersecurity conscious world. So, Jonathan is a penetration tester and cybersecurity professional with over 20 years experience in the industry. He has a passion for finding vulnerabilities and helping organizations protect themselves. Jonathan has worked for a wide range of industries over the years and performed penetration tests, large and small, both as an internal resource and external consultant. So, welcome again to the show, Jonathan.
1: Thanks. It's great to be here. I've seen some of your your previous guests, so I feel like I've got... uh... Big boots to fill today.
0: Ah oh, no, man! This is going to be one of the most, probably the most well received episodes because everybody is just obsessed with cybersecurity and hacking, and it's just the buzzword right now.
1: Yeah, no, good stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely just grown in in popularity. It it just doesn't seem to be stopping at all, and um, no. yeah, it's just increasing and increasing, and um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it may it you live in interesting times, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, and, you know, let's jump in. I kind of want to get to know how you fell into testing and hacking. Well, actually, before we do that, am I right in assuming that ethical hacking and penetration testing are the same thing?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, it can be a, a very interchangeable um, set, set of terms. Um, it's It kind of falls under the, the banner, really, of, of uh, offensive testing. And there's definitely uh, a number of kind of... Um, uh so categories of that that handle different things. But penetration testing and ethical hacking in my opinion, can be very interchangeable things.
0: Great, awesome. So I can use them freely. Yep. But I'd love to kind of get to know how you fell into this world, how you became a hacker and why you love it so much.
1: Well, I kind of, I was thinking back and uh, I'm not too sure who to, who to blame first for it. It was either uh, Matthew Broderick for uh, his role in War Games. Yep. Have, have you seen that movie? Is that a movie?
0: I haven't, no, but I've definitely heard of it.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like probably um, every tester or everyone in, in the industry of, of my age is probably in that movie. Maybe some of the, the newer people wouldn't be aware of it, but yeah. it uh, it came out in the mid 80s and um, it was, uh, you know, it, it kind of was, it was very impressionable for me because despite the fact that the movie was just kind of quite fantasy based, it did actually introduce some uh, very real concepts like the idea of, uh, of war dialing, which is where... At one point, he had set up uh, his modem to dial a, you know, block of numbers looking for other modems with other computers on the end, and that was a very uh, legitimate hacking technique. Still used up until maybe, you know, 2005 kind of-ish, and um, uh, it's it's something that I've I've done in a number of engagements, and um, that definitely introduced me to uh, the idea that there was a world kind of beyond, uh, you know, w- what I was aware of, because you're going back to a time when there was no internet or anything like that. That's right. And um, uh, I think probably the other second uh, person that that uh, really kind of piqued my curiosity with the whole thing was uh, Kevin Mitnick. Does that name ring a bell, which you yeah, know? Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. So he back in the in the mid '90s, he was um, somebody who uh, came to the attention of the FBI because. Um, He was hacking into, uh, as, as he says, Fortune 500 companies. And he ended up going on the run. And you kind of think, if you're running from the FBI, you probably want to keep your head down, keep a low profile. But he didn't. He kept hacking into organizations. And this had hit the news at home. And I can remember listening to it on the radio. Like There was periodic updates going on. Maybe every couple of weeks, you'd hear about this guy and what he'd been up to. And I just... I was absolutely amazed by the audacity of it i mean yeah. just to to keep going on your hacking spree when you know you're being chased by the fbi was i, I mean it was just incredible to hear and um, and i was kind of i was impressed by that level of obsession that somebody could have yeah. and um he he actually um i mean he, he he got caught he did some time in jail and right. um he got out I, I don't know if he was allowed to use computer for several years after that um, but he wrote a couple of books, and um, he's uh, still around today. He's he's kind of more more or less a salesperson for his company at the moment. And uh, he turned up at one of the Australian conferences just before um, COVID had kicked off. And um, you know, any interview I've seen with him, he's he seems like a very rational individual. You know, he he seems kind of fairly well grounded. And um, it was just thinking back to that time, it was uh, it, it it definitely ignited something. Uh, And a curiosity in me. And I think very soon after that, I got, I got a modem uh, with, uh, you know, access to the internet. It was, you know, windows 95 and, um, a whole new world awaited. And I think probably from that point onwards, I was, I just wanted to be a hacker. That's all I wanted to be. I wasn't aware of any industry that had started up around, um, it because it was just still very embryonic. And, uh, Literally, nothing was going to stop me from doing it. Uh, you know, no one was going to tell me I, I couldn't learn about it, um, or I couldn't do it, or uh, anything along those lines. It was it was literally um, uh, just kind of pure passion that was starting to driving. And you know, thinking back to those days again, slow internet connections. There's no way you could download uh, operating systems or anything like that. Uh, VMware didn't exist. I mean, it was it was really back down to basics. And uh, I can remember joining uh, a mailing list where uh, some console kind of mailed me out a, a very, very old copy of, of Red Hat Linux, right. uh, you know, lit- literally turned up my doorstep in, a, in an envelope and uh, <laughs> I installed that. And again, everything was just a hard slog, trying to get everything up and running. And um, that was just complete immersion in the Linux then. So invariably, you just had to learn about it as you, you went along. And um, yeah, I, I think uh, from, from that point onwards, there was... Uh, yeah, my, my my interest was there. It was just absolutely unbreakable, and I'm kind of having to say, you know, um, 20, 25 years on, it's it's still it's still going strong, and um, I still I still have that that, that passion for it. So um, yeah, I, I know. Why, why do you think that
0: is? It? You you, can, you do you like kind of pushing the boundaries, or do you like doing something a little bit more risque? What is it about hacking that there's, makes it so attractive? Um, there's a couple
1: of different factors in it. I think uh, the ability to solve a puzzle. Um, is is really interesting because uh, sometimes the, the the puzzles that you have to solve you, you kind of have to you have, you kind of have to find them and they're not kind of there in your face um, and uh, certainly it can be really satisfying to uh, you know hop onto the, the network of an organisation uh, and and make a full compromise of it uh, when you when you're in a position when, when you do those types of tests. And uh, it's it's a very satisfying feeling, uh, without a shadow of doubt. But um, yeah, I I think really there's there's the buzz you get from from doing something like that. But um, there's there's something just really satisfying in being able to find an issue uh, and tease it out and uh, and turn it into something tangible. Because at the end of the day, you're effectively kind of. Uh, feedbacking a report to a client that can kind of take that and then implement the recommendation, and as a result, they'll they'll walk away from the, engage, the engagement much more secure uh, than, than they were when you started. You know,
0: absolutely. I mean, it's just incredible when you think about it. But I'll i kind of get into this a little bit more later on. But mm. did you have much IT training or IT exposure before that, or you kind of just learned from the ground up from the um,
1: view? I think uh, there was always kind of bits of technology in the house. I think most people my age probably had an Atari 2600, and (laughs) that was probably my first introduction to to technology, Um, and there was always like bits of computers lying around the house. My dad was um, particularly interested in it as well. And uh, really my um, exposure to IT or computers in, in general, I feel kind of came from trying to play games. So, you know, you you, you get games with, uh, you know, they'd be in a uh, like a zip format or something like that. And would be yeah. like, okay, what's this? I don't know what it is. How do you, you know, so invariably then you started learning about command line operations and things like that. And just the exposure that you got just through trying to get games working and trying to get the sound working and things like that um, definitely just gave you a fundamental skill set then that you could you could start off with. Um, I did a, I did a, um, I'm not too sure what the equivalent would be over here. It was like a city and guilds. Um, maybe tape would be the equivalent of something like that. It was, it was only a one-year uh, programming course um, that I did probably in my very late teens, and that introduced me to uh, C and C++ and things like that. So uh, at that stage, it kind of felt more competent just uh, in, in general with computers. And uh, and then really just the, um, the, the hacking stuff just kind of came as when you've got access to the internet, you've got access to, you know, unlimited information um, virtually. So there was just a a steep learning curve there. And um, yeah, also, also lots of fun.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Well done. Um, And so, you know, everybody's talking about security now. Everyone I interview wants to get into security. Everybody's talking about security. Everybody's talking about, don't click on this link. Don't, uh, you know, open that attachment it's all become yeah. very we're all become extremely security focused yeah. or conscious but where does hacking or penetration testing fit into that security world yeah so
1: it's um it, it's a very um definite part of uh, the fabric or or kind of the sphere however you want to look at it um i think fundamentally um the the, the whole action is, uh, is born of uh, if you if you've got something to protect if you've got digital assets if you've got something online um then you need to know how you're gonna fare if, if it gets attacked because it could be you know all sorts of uh, critical information in there uh you know um, customer details financial details it could be anything and everything even the actual assets themselves will, will hold some sort of uh, intrinsic value so uh trying to understand where you are in terms of uh, if you get attacked, how, how that's going to go is uh, is quite important. And uh, I discussed a little earlier about how um, kind of penetration testing and ethical hacking uh, will, will kind of fall under the banner of offensive security. Well, it's it's kind of um, it's kind of branched out a little bit into things like red teaming, adversary stimulation and things like that, whereas uh, penetration testing tends to kind of deal with um, very bite-sized components of uh, of of assets, for example, if uh, you want to test a web application, well, then, you know, typically a, a penetration test will handle that. Whereas if you want to test uh, an organization and how that would fare against, uh, you know, a, a, a more encompassing attack, well, then a red team engagement would probably be more uh, oriented to uh, to kind of kind of finding out how you're going to uh, go there. Uh, typically, an engagement like that would involve phishing and things like that. So, yeah, there's, uh-huh. there's a bit of a differentiation between them.
0: Gotcha. So it's almost like, you know, there's a a more ground level, unidirectional way to hack, but then there's also a whole campaign you could put together.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah, and and the, um, the the skills are uh, they they an awful lot of the skills can be transferable. There are some um, skills that you would typically use in a in a red teaming engagement that would be uh, maybe considered to be you know more advanced in terms of uh, depending on the the assets that you're facing. I mean you may be in a position where you have to kind of develop a tool or an exploit, or uh, there could be any number of different kind of complexities that you run into on an environment per environment basis and that would require maybe very specialized skill sets. And sometimes an engagement may not necessarily be done by one person, it would be done by kind of multiple individuals. Gotcha. And it depends on on the, the circumstances, of course. Yeah, okay. um, but that's kind of really how it fits in. Um, I mean, the the other side of the coin really is that, it, that Defence side, and I guess there, there kind of there really is two two sides: um, offensive and and defensive. There's a couple of then uh, kind of ancillary um, things that kind of come into the picture as well that that kind of comp- complement one or the other. Um, but that's fundamentally how how it fits into uh, the, uh, the the industry. It's uh, it's it's really important to know um, how you you're, you're going to kind of end up if a determined attacker has a go at you. Um, because I mean I, I don't know kind of how much um you would see week in, week out, but you know, I'm I'm looking at breaches every week, typically crypto exchanges and hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars are, are going, you know, uh, you know, going, going missing. And uh it's you know, there's there's an there's an awful lot of dodgy things happening out there at the moment. So um yeah. it's yeah, it's definitely important to uh to to get a perspective on kind of where you are with your security posture. And not just once, it needs to be done kind of on a continual basis and things kind of change quite often. And um, yeah, you need to kind of keep an eye on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that kind of brings us to a really good point. Um, do you think that a lot of organizations are very reactive in the way that they um, deal with security? Like they wait for some, a breach to happen and then they start getting serious or are they getting more savvy now and making sure that they're, you know, secure before they even start?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I've seen um, some customers recently that, that uh, not just do uh, periodic pen testing, but they also have uh, mm-hmm. bug bounty uh, programs running as well. So there's, a, I guess this is another little kind of differentiation between uh, pen testing and, and book bounty. Is that something that you've, you've heard of? In, no, in, I haven't. In it's something that's kind of come along really in the last maybe eight years or so. Uh, and the, the idea behind it is uh, that if, if you do a penetration test, well then typically that will be a certain amount of days. Um, those days are, are paid for, irrespective of the, re- the result. And you may have just one tester, in some cases two. It depends on, on the, uh, the assets involved. Uh, and then you get a very um uh, you get a fairly individualized kind of look at how uh you know that tester is just gonna um kind of do the job and come away with. with number of different findings compared against a a book bounty program which again can vary a little bit but the idea is that you have more eyes on it so people who partake in these programs are paid by the vulnerabilities they find not necessarily by the time so you could put a hundred hours into something that was incredibly secure and not really find much with it at all um, and you don't get paid for it whereas if you put um, you know again similar amount of time or any arbitrary amount of time into it uh, and you come away with many findings. Well, then you get paid on a, a finding per finding basis. So,
0: interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's it's um it's it's definitely um it's definitely kicked off and it, it's made um it's made uh, a number of people millionaires, um and it's a it's a really interesting way of looking at it. And I, I think the the real strength for companies is that they have many different people looking at an asset or their environment, and it can be uh you know it can be much better than just having a dedicated pen tester looking at it sometimes. But I find that the the strength uh, actually comes from kind of blending both because uh, you right. get benefits with one that you don't get with the other. So
0: Wow. So that's really interesting in that, the, you know, you're encouraging people to really be developing the skills as a hacker or as a penetration tester because you're incentivizing them to get paid on what they find. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's so many companies that have signed up to these programs and it's, it's, uh it's definitely a sign of the times because I think there was a there was a tremendous amount of um, uh, like fear, anxiety around uh, penetration tests. And it was, uh, I think, you know, going back maybe before Bug uh, Bounty programs came along, it, it was just, you know, you, you just simply didn't think about touching another organization's uh, assets, even, you know, just to look at them and things like that. But if a, if a company has um, joined one of these programs, well then, it's you know it, it, I mean there there are different rules and stipulations around what you can and can't do in, in many of these programs, but uh, it's definitely a, a much better way of looking at, or it's a more mature way uh, when it's integrated into your your kind of security program and uh, kind of what what companies will do with these things. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think I, I probably see a mixed bag. Um, to answer your your kind of your original question. Um, I, I see an awful lot of proactivity out there, um, awesome. and uh, it's yeah, that's it's it's encouraging to see. I mean, I guess the the, the companies I, I'm dealing with anyway are are kind of um, coming to me kind of requesting these services. So, um, it's it's another um, kind of business line to be involved in incident response and things like that. So, but that's not to say. I mean, you could you could pull cool, um all the time and all the money in the world into into these things and still get compromised. Um, so uh, it can be unfortunate, but definitely what I see is that. Uh, companies who companies that take the stuff a, a bit more seriously um, are an awful lot more resilient as a result.
0: Yeah, it yeah, makes sense. I mean, the stronger they, you know, they can protect themselves, the less chance, obviously, that they're going to be breached. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And uh, do you think there are any particular styles of organisations that are more susceptible than others? Larger versus smaller, multi-branch versus single, global versus local. Or is it all very much just technology based, regardless of all that?
1: Yeah, it can be um, a little bit of six of one and half dozen of the other. Uh, I think with uh, with big companies, it's uh, what you find with big companies is they typically have a massive footprint, and they, they may not necessarily be aware of, uh, of of how big that is or how diverse it is. Uh, when you think about companies that have been around for decades, they typically acquire other companies, so they acquire the digital assets, they acquire their mm-hmm. Um, their internet space um some companies just have absolutely massive um uh, massive ranges uh, o- online that you know sometimes you're, you're kind of left ha- having the test in a very short period of time and um, I then i find that the, the bigger the space um what you, you you tend to find is this more stuff that's been left there that people have forgotten about um and quite often um you know you, you can find an entry point there that will lend itself to uh, an additional compromise or will just be kind of just bad in in of itself. And so I find that the larger and older the organization, um, it's it's more difficult to protect because they're just a a bigger target. Uh, Having said that, you'll find probably with uh, smaller companies sometimes, if they develop something using uh, an insecure framework or they've done something wrong, again, they can completely trip themselves. up. and it can be, uh, you know, bad news for 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 them in terms of a, a penetration test. Um, but that's okay. I mean, that's kind of why these things exist, really, just to uh, to kind of find this out before the uh, the bad guys do. And um, yeah, it can be, uh, it it, it can be eye opening sometimes, and it's it can be difficult to kind of put a finger on, uh, precisely kind of what would be, uh, you know, typically a more kind of insecure environment. So you never really know until you see it. Yeah,
0: and that's, it kind of reminds me of like in the movies, you know, like they find that one little access point, that that old something that nobody even remembers, it was so long ago, et cetera, et cetera. So it kind of, um, brings up a good point in that when you're developing your systems and you're progressing your, your IT systems, it's so important to keep track of exactly where you're at at the moment. So you don't kind of band-aid things on top of the other, and then you start yeah. forgetting about what's happened to the layers underneath and how they're exposed.
1: That's it. And uh, I've, I've seen before where um, external assets, trying to even find out, company can't even find out who owns them. You know, it's, uh, it, it can be just such, um, companies can just get themselves into, into such a state uh, internally sometimes, particularly when you, you can't even identify, yep. uh, you know, who owns what, and who's responsible for what. Uh, you know, in an external perimeter, like it's pretty important. So, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely, some companies definitely have quite a bit of learning to do.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. Um, and you mentioned, you touched on earlier, that sometimes these projects can be quite um, short, but mm. what's the general length of a hacking pro- or a penetration testing project, or is it really just depending on the on situation?
1: Yeah, it, it, um, it really depends on the situation. And you'd probably be surprised to kind of maybe hear that it typically an engagement might last between five and 10 days, and that's for, right. uh, you know, very... Uh, specific quantities of of, uh, of of assets that have been pre-scoped and um, so like one thing that, that um, has happened with penetration testing over the years it's become kind of very streamlined and if you were to go to 10 different organizations and ask them for a quote for pen testing in terms of uh, time and you describe the assets um, you know as, as they're presented you'd probably get a very similar timing because um, uh, at the end of the day there's a you can't kind of put an infin- infinite amount of time into these things primarily because yeah. uh, there's a cost uh, associated with it companies have the budgets and um the other thing is if you've got uh, individuals looking at these things uh, there's a kind of a point that you get to where it's a, a point of diminishing returns yep. people being people they get tired sometimes they get um you know they, they get frustrated or burnt out but they they certainly come to a, a, a limitation where they could probably only go so far in this particular um, instance so if you look at something like uh, i mean primarily kind of what we'd be testing um uh, you know day and day would be web applications web services mainly due to the fact that uh, they're so prevalent. i mean it's, it's pretty much in everything we do um and um it's it's basically uh yeah a case of that you can spend a kind of you know like a five days ten days something like that it's it's, it's enough time really to kind of get a feel for how the application or the environment is going to perform uh, in terms of kind of the testing that you do you can generally i mean if you, if you start kind of pulling the thread and it's just issue after issue well then you have identified that there's, there's issues way beyond kind of what the pen is going to um,
0: yeah.
1: you know basically going to going to provide for you but uh typically yeah it's it's it's, it's a good opportunity for for companies uh, particularly if they, i mean many of the companies i deal with have kind of been through kind of before anyway um, and uh, yeah, it's a good opportunity just to uh, have a fresh set of eyes on it. And um, basically you can you can often find findings uh, that may have been found kind of not have been found last year or the year before. And um, yeah, it's uh, that kind of I think I think it's just uh, that relatively short, sharp um, pen testing window done periodically is, is probably the best way uh, for companies to approach it.
0: Yeah, so they kind of, as you say, there seems to be this general, um, best practices framework for how long a pen test should take, but at the same token, if someone really wants to get access to something and they have unlimited time and resources, yeah. they might find a way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, just as you mentioned that, there's uh there's there was a really uh, interesting synopsis of a of a hacking attempt that uh, I read a couple of years ago. I, I really enjoyed reading it. It was a there was a an Italian company called Hacking Team. Right. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure of memory surgery, right, they were targeted because they were doing um, kind of very nefarious, uh, kind of semi-dodgy things with uh, different authorities that involved.
0: Hi, guys. Just a quick message. I'm always on the lookout for engineers in the managed services space across Australia, support engineers, systems engineers, network engineers, and solution consultants. I only work with the best companies that are going places, really value their staff, have great techs and offer stacks of training and other benefits, up to $1,000 for successful referrals. Who do you know? Feel free to give me a buzz, 0414-659-800. But right now, back to the conversation.
1: Um, You know, eavesdropping on, on different people's devices and things like that. Wow. But uh, uh, a hacker took, Uh, you know, Quite, quite a big exception to that and uh he he uh, broke into them um broke into their environment deleted all their data uh, caused absolute chaos for them and uh he, he did a write-up on on how how he did it and it was it's it, it was it was so beautifully done you know i mean obviously the fact that it was uh high, highly illegal is, is is one thing but uh reading the synopsis and and how he approached it was uh yeah definitely a really interesting read and it's, it's a primary example of uh if, if somebody wants into your organization or into your network badly enough they're probably going to do it um and uh you just don't want to come across that bad individual with a f- and bear in mind that the person who did that you know had a very very high skill level like exceptionally yeah. high yeah. um but it's uh definitely well we're agreed if um if uh, any of your listeners want to check it out it's uh probably just uh google for a hacking team uh, compromise walkthrough or something like that
0: fascinating <laughs> it's crazy it's, it's scary at the same time when you think about it yeah yeah it is
1: it really is um you know kind of you know nowhere is safe um yeah it's uh you, you can do all you can do is your best to protect yourself um, yeah. and uh, follow best practice and uh, and uh you know just uh keep good security uh, hygiene as best as possible but uh yeah you know look there's, there's there's certainly a bit of luck involved in it as well
0: wow that's crazy um and i mean in, from in terms of being at you know a penetration tester or a hacker what are the skills, the mindset, the tools that you generally need um, to be successful?
1: Yeah, I think um, there's there's an awful lot that kind of comes down to um, how you approach um, learning and uh, your your desire to work on something until you've you've uh, you, you kind of come to the end of it. Um, I I kind of feel like you have to be comfortable with failure because it's, mm-hmm. it feels like sometimes every little micro thing is just failing and you, you basically just have to kind of keep working at that until you get a success and yeah. some jobs are easier than others but um certainly sometimes you might find that you, you spend a significant amount of time simply just trying to get the application to work or something you know to, to get installed or something like that right that in itself can be a very very frustrating uh, experience particularly when you're, you're you know you're on the clock so um, and you know that's even before you start testing. So you, you need to be um, you need to be something somebody that's not kind of frustrated easily. Yeah. Um, and I think um, having having a mindset like it's a, like a, you just you have to have that kind of I want to succeed mindset. Yep. Um And I think there's there's a couple of things in and around that which are uh, very important to uh, to have if you if you want to be successful in in the business. But uh, I think um, that coupled with with good Technical skills is, is definitely a you know the kind of two sides of the same coin basically, um, and that's something that you need to kind of um, keep working at. Um, it's you're almost kind of working in an infinite space. Like if, even if there was no more technology, there was no more advances. Even just if kind of things cut off today, and you pretty much just had what you had to kind of work with, you could very easily spend the rest of your life just immersed in in kind of what we have currently. Yeah. So what you find is that then there's, there's different specializations where, um, you know, some people will have a preference for, you know, mobile application testing or some people have a preference for um, internal testing and things like that. And um, uh, you, you'll you find that it's just the, the kind of the technologies and the, the length and breadth of everything is just too much for, you know, typically one top person to, to manage. So you uh, you have to look for kind of some expertises in, in these areas.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I suppose I'm sure that hackers in one area will know hackers in another area. And, you know, you're kind of have a camaraderie, then people that you can refer for different specialities. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And there's a tremendous amount of information out there on, you know, on, on anything and everything. And uh, even within organizations that have pendency teams and, uh, and, and kind of, you know, armies of, of consultants, there's always somebody who has specialized in something maybe that that uh, you haven't done, you can, um, you know, you can tap them on the shoulder and, uh, and uh, try and, and uh get as much information out of them as you can sometimes you're in a position where you, you do have to learn really quick um and uh sometimes that, that works out and you know sometimes that doesn't but um yeah i, I think there's uh like they, they say you know often technical skills are something that you can learn and um it's it's as much as to do with, with kind of your attitude and your approach to, to learning and things like that which is which are the key things um and, uh, yeah, I think, I think if you've got the passion for it, you'll, you'll know about it and then kind of everything else, uh, I feel kind of, you know, comes after that just as a, as a consequence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you'll be passionate about it. You'll be resilient. You'll be patient. You'll have yeah. good technical skills. You'll continue to develop your skills, be inquisitive as to what tools and technologies are out there that might do things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but What's really interesting is you know people talk to me all the time about getting into security and you know, it's obviously one branch of security but do you do you think people need to have a programming background or what background you know lends itself better to this kind of work
1: Uh I think having a programming background is really uh, advantageous it's um it's it's something that can uh because I mean, if you if you're good at programming you're almost like you kind of wired your mind to think um, uh, you know differently about problem solving and you tend to look at um, things a little bit differently even just with that knowledge of of being able to you know uh, use arrays and you know for loops and all that type of stuff it it, it definitely uh, definitely helps and the ability to program uh, can get you out of a spot sometimes and sometimes the, the distance between uh, where you are and where you need to go I mean you can go various different pathways and sometimes the ability of the program will, will open up um, an opportunity that uh, would mean that you have to go a, a different way in a test if you didn't have that ability so it's, it's really it's really beneficial but it's it's not necessary but it's something that I would definitely recommend and it's it's great to see uh, programming as being you know what I mean it seems to be kind of a very thing. Uh, you know, IT degrees and cyber, and uh, you know everyone's doing a bit of Python or whatever, yeah. um, and even like a, a little bit can go a long way. So it's it's definitely advantageous uh, to have. But uh, I think if you've come from, uh, I've I've seen people that, that come from IT disciplines, and uh, if they if they have some sort of like networking background or active directory background or or, or even cloud, um, they they can come up to speed uh, an awful lot more quicker than. Um, somebody who's is just coming in fresh because I think yeah. before you even think about security, you need to start thinking about building fundamental IT skills, how to manage uh, operating systems. You need to be really kind of comfortable in that space. Not necessarily an expert, but you just need to be really comfortable. Um, and one of the things that you know is you just you need to be uh, you need to have the ability to kind of bend for yourself and uh, kind of start to, to kind of resolve issues yourself. And it, it becomes um, a very individual thing then. Um, it's not that there isn't a community of people there that are there to help you but i kind of i feel like it's like uh, learning a musical instrument or a language or something like that yeah. You can, yeah but you still kind of need to do it yourself yeah um and uh i i think security or pen testing in that, that respect is is kind of very comparable
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean and a lot of people always you know say you know what's the best way for me to get into security or um right. you know move into this area and i always say look from what Clients have told me, and other people have told me, is that you have to have a good grounding and understanding of general IT or general infrastructure and applications before you start worrying about how to break into them or secure them, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I suppose it's a bit of a combination of both. It's gain your skills, you know, in the industry from the ground up in whichever discipline, whether it's programming or uh, infrastructure, but then have a bit of a a, a passion and and do a lot of work on your own. To explore the hacking and the programming side of things, so that when you're ready, you can make that transition. Would that be correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and there are um, disciplines within cybersecurity that are non-technical as well. Like so, you can look at um, uh, GRC, which is uh, governance, risk, and compliance, yep. um, or things like security awareness, which um, don't necessarily have the, the reliance on um, technology skills. It, it it does. It does really help. Um, and I, I don't want to kind of um, brand them as being, um, you know, like, I mean, you still you still do need to have a high level understanding of what's going on, uh, preferably. Um, but uh, yeah, for, for anything in, in the technical domain, it's and because it's like the, uh, any of the, uh, the technical disciplines in, in cyber, like you could be a very, very competent pen tester, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you could swap into a blue team role where you're working on the defensive side. Mm -hmm. or it doesn't necessarily mean that you could uh, swap into a forensic role where you're you're doing something like that and even though there's overlaps within those skill sets um, there still is a learning curve uh, to move from one into the other and it could be you know significant enough in some cases so if you if you want to move into cyber um, I would also suggest trying to work out where you kind of would be best placed because Uh, I mean, you could end up spending a bit of time there and decide you don't like it, and that's absolutely fine. One of the things I'm hearing from uh, specialist recruiters in the area is uh, that for every 10 people that um, they they kind of see coming through, uh, you know, cyber uh, qualifications, is that uh, maybe about eight or nine of them want to get into the pentesting space. Mm -hmm. And um, that also kind of on the other side, those types of jobs seem to account for maybe about 10% of, of current kind of open cyber roles. Yep. So uh, there seems to be kind of a, you know, a, like a, I don't know, a kind of weight on one side, but there's a, um, you know, a, maybe a, an availability uh, on the other side, availability issue on the other side. So um, I kind of get the impression that maybe there's an awful lot of people who, who want to maybe get into that uh, type of role where they're not kind of fully aware of, of, kind of what goes on. Yeah. On a day-by-day basis because it could be very boring for some people but i get the impression that uh some people think that it's like watching an episode of csi cyber where you know just you know two people hacking away on the, on one keyboard and things like that it's yeah. you know it's uh not an awful lot of the job can be very very uh you know seemingly mundane and yeah, very
0: process driven and very uh a lot high attention to detail and very methodical, yeah. really. That's
1: it. Yeah, particularly when it comes time to writing reports. I mean, you can invest in not a lot of time in reports, and uh, you know, there's all sorts of meetings you'll have to attend for one reason or another. And yeah, um, yeah it's 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 a side to it that really isn't um, that kind of visible, in, in, unless you, you kind of try to kind of immerse yourself in, in it to, to, to some degree. And um, but I, I think if you uh, if it's an aspect of the business that you want to get into, I think you'll kind of you'll know. Uh, whether you'd be, you know, best suited to or not, and or, or not. Um, I kind of, I kind of feel like it's one of those in- industries. Um, but I think in order to make yourself stand out, and there's an awful lot of people that, that want to get into the, the industry to make yourself stand out. Typically, what you'd want to do is um, basically try your hand at, at book bounty um, uh, programs. You can simply just sign up to these um, uh, book bounty programs. There's an awful lot of public ones and then you can basically kind of start your journey there there's plenty of online platforms like hackbox or pentester lab that are yep. uh, that are really good um, for uh, basically just kind of cutting your teeth um, they're fairly inexpensive and um, they'll give you a good opportunity to, to really just kind of get your teeth into uh genuine kind of hacking problems that are are just kind of contrived and some of them you know some of them are, are more realistic than not Yep. They'll, they'll if, you, if you kind of keep at them long enough, they'll, they'll basically um, up your skill set and you'll uh, definitely see yourself improving as you go along. Yeah. Um, and then there's just plenty of online resources to, uh, to follow as well. But um, I think, uh, and it's, it's something that I noticed that you concentrate on an awful lot is soft skills, yep. uh, which I think is massively important. It'd be built for you just to, you know, get in touch with somebody over LinkedIn or even pick up the phone um you know go out for a coffee with somebody um and uh go into conferences as well now that they've started back up I think is a really important you like you need to network and yeah. I think you need to be authentic about it as well not not be um uh you know not simply kind of uh trying to I don't know uh, rub somebody the wrong way or uh annoy them by getting in touch with them I think I think there's a certain kind of uh, again I guess it's but it falls into the whole soft skills domain. Yeah. But uh, so I, I think
0: finesse in how to it, approach people. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so so people don't think you're trying to, I don't know, just get something out of them and um and, and off you go. But, uh, yeah. I mean I think um I think if, if if kind of you combine those skills with motivation, uh, visible mo- motivation and um uh you know a bit of kind of salesmanship uh, kind of within yourself I think I think it'd be a good way to get into the industry no doubt about it.
0: Are there courses or graduate courses or programs where you study something in security and then there are graduate roles i haven't really heard of things like that for for this for security side of things
1: yeah i'm not really too sure about what what's going on there and um, there was kind of when i um got into the industry there was no uh, cyber specific uh, courses or qualifications and they kind of I had all kind of just started to kind of start up as, as time went on so it's it's something i'm not um overly familiar with but i think all of the major uh, universities particularly here will offer some sort of um qualifications in it and yep. uh some of them seem uh quite good as well like I, i'm not too sure which which university it is but uh, i've seen a couple of people uh come out of it with they make them like do a ccna um, but I, I think i like i absolutely love seeing that because um that foundation and networks is yep. such a pivotal thing and it just allows you to understand what's going on and and how you know two computers will talk to each other, and it's to have that qualification basically says to me, okay, this person understands you know uh, the OSI layer and um, how to uh, you know they understand IP and things like that. So I, I think it, it's a very very smart way of uh, of making your student think about um, networking, which uh, again can be built upon. And uh, yeah, so I'm not too sure what's what's happening there in terms of uh, of uh, qualifications. It's not something I've ever looked into, but. Um, I think uh, it, it's. I, I hear that like if, if you come out with a with a with a cyber qualification, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have an easy time finding a job as well. Uh, yeah. I think the industry has been uh, under reasonable amount of scrutiny because um, it, I guess it depends on on how you define an entry level job, but um, I, I think there's. Yeah, there's, there's definitely been like a bit of flack heading the industry's way in terms of um employing people with, without experience or without um you know enough experience. And from the business point of view, I can kind of see it because you know at the end of the day, if you've taken somebody on board, they may not stick around. They may you may invest a couple of years of, in them. You know, like for something like pen testing, I, I think you would almost need to give it kind of five years before you can kind of come up to speed. You can be wow. left alone to um, to uh, to basically engage with a client, to uh, perform most tests, um, to kind of, you know, hold your own in an exit meeting. Sometimes you can you get involved in kind of very uh, political situations uh, on, on the client side, where they either don't like the severity of the findings, or you know, there's something along that. So you, you kind of have to be able to kind of um, uh, you know speak for yourself and and hold your own. And um, there's an awful lot of those kind of soft skills that come with it as well. And I think uh, I think I think it's a reasonable amount of time before uh, you. you could, definitely be left to your own devices. So I can kind of see if, uh, well, you know, when somebody comes fresh in the door, well, I guess they kind of have to shadow people up until a point where uh, they can kind of stand on their own two feet. So i can kind of see it from the company's point of view as well. But having said that, I mean, so just like the, uh, the the expenditure in cybers is going up and up and up. So, um, you know, there's, there's really, I guess there's there's fewer excuses for it now. But uh, I think if I was a candidate, I would definitely try to uh, to differentiate yourself. And I kind of, I kind of think it's a case of, um, you know, become what you want to be and you'll be what you want to become. It's kind of like a, a funny way of looking at it, but I, th- I think if you if you put yourself out there as somebody who's just kind of committed to this, there's no question about it, you, you will start to differentiate yourself and it will definitely make you more attractive to potential employers.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really good advice as well for people to reach out to other people that are experienced in the industry through forums or, or events or webinars or, you know, communities, et cetera, um, on and off the web, to really understand what's involved because a lot of people don't know enough about what they might be signing up for. And I think, you know, any experience you can get or any insight you can get from someone who's been doing it for 20 years or so will allow you to really understand whether this is going to be the path for you.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's, yeah. Um, you know, it's good, it's good to talk. And um, uh, some people are more more amenable to it to, than others. Um, I'm, I'm always kind of very open to talking to people um, a better at least I think I am. Um. So, uh, yeah. There's, there's, there's an awful lot of people out there. Um, who will help you if you simply
0: ask for it. You know? Yeah, well, that's great. And where do you think you know things are going to change and going to move forward in terms of technology now? Being you know that technology is advancing so quickly, how is that going to fit into, um, what you do?
1: Um, I think that uh, like that, there's always it always feels like there's a steep learning curve with this stuff, and uh, I think. You know, sometimes even on an engagement by engagement basis, you, you'll you'll learn something that you didn't know previously. Yeah. Um. And then when you, you start to kind of introduce, uh, kind of you know macro technologies like, for example, uh, when I arrived in Australia, maybe you know ten years ago, cloud wasn't uh, all that prevalent. And within those ten years, it's it's really just started to, to dominate. And um, I feel like kind of maybe mobile applications have done you know much of the same thing. And typically, what you'll find. Uh, are, are that um some testers are kind of quite comfortable within the space um and uh, they enjoy working within that space and they won't necessarily um be you know flexible enough to, to to kind of take on something new and that's fine um you know I I think in my own opinion uh, different people have different opinions on it I think you you need to kind of eventually try to uh, come as as specialist and generalist as you as you can be yeah they kind of contradictory but for example i uh i absolutely hated testing mobile applications i i absolutely i just i avoided it like the plague, <laughs> the plague. and i it, it eventually just kind of came around where these things are just so prevalent now that you you don't really have much of a choice so you just yeah. kind of have to get stuck into it and um i actually enjoy testing them now and yeah. um it's uh it's it's kind of a like a, a very specialized field to get into in of itself because you're not just talking about one platform you're talking about android and ios and kind of you know whatever else is out there That's and um you, you need to try to um you need to try to to uh to kind of cover as much of that space as you, po- as you possibly can which is like it's really difficult i mean there's only a certain amount of hours in the day um and uh trying to continually kind of keep yourself uh, updated it's yeah it, it's pretty tough but uh, typically what you find with newer technologies is that somebody will be more amenable to kind of specializing in them because they get more experience in them and then eventually just that, that information starts to kind of um, you know proliferate and uh, the technology becomes normalized and eventually kind of we all catch up and and kind of see where things are another thing that can help is that if there's big breaches um, in in that particular technology or something like that it definitely help um, people to get interested in it and, yeah. um yeah it's i mean it, it's not easy because uh, i think you're uh, you're battling against the human condition as well we all like to be kind of in our comfort zones and uh right. yeah. <laughs> it's it, yeah It's sometimes there's not a space where um you, you can kind of be happy kind of sitting in your comfort zone
0: i think in technology you know if the, in particular you just mm. can't stay in your comfort zone in general
1: no it's just no. moving and, yeah, it's way too fast. fast. yeah absolutely yeah. and um yeah i, I mean it, it, it can be intimidating at times and um I think that's probably uh, one thing that it, it can be, I think when you when you let something intimidate you like that, it, it can really affect how you approach learning about it. Um, so I, I think it's something you probably need to kind of keep on, on top of, um, easier said than done. But um, I think by uh, kind of applying some of those um, goods of attitudes and personal traits that will probably going serve you well throughout
0: your career yeah. wow that's fantastic and it would be remiss of me not to ask um just generally if organizations or even smaller businesses are listening and they want to just get a bit of a you know two or three step process into how they can make sure they can be more secure um mm-hmm. with what they do every day what, yeah. what what advice do you have for them
1: Oh, how uh, how long is a piece of string um, yeah. i it, it entirely depends on on the organization uh, whether they're large or small or whether their their assets are you know um, primarily sitting on kind of legacy systems or whether they're just yeah. protecting a single app or uh, it depends on a whole multitude of factors but uh, I'm kind of a big believer in just getting back to uh, to basics um, if you um, for example if you've developed a Core web application that does, uh, you know, some some sort of, you know, fintech business or something like that. You need to make sure that, um, you know, your your front door is is protected from people just kind of finding a vulnerability and uh, and and kind of leveraging their way in. Um. So uh, you know, periodic pen testing, code reviews, things like that are are really important. Um. I think um something that's beneficial for uh, users as much as it is uh, companies themselves is to make sure that you uh, enable two FA for for whatever you can. Uh, it can be a bit of a pain to use, but um, it can be a real lifesaver when it's implemented properly as well.
0: Um, and and just course. for everybody, just for everybody out there, that's two-factor authentication. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So either using you know kind of uh, something that comes a code to you that comes via SMS or um, you know there's an awful lot of apps that can um, kind of jump in and kind of kind of save the day there. Yep. Um, but uh, I think patching is is probably a really big thing to get on top of as well. Um, probably some of the breaches that you know that we've, that we've seen, I guess, in you know, in the last couple of decades, have come as a result of services that are not patched. And um, so it's it's really important to, to make sure that uh, particularly anything externally facing, uh, particularly if it's a if it's a well known service, make sure that there's no vulnerabilities in it and just keep on top of patching. So I'd probably say that as well. Um, but uh, kind of everything else, I'd probably tend to kind of look at it on case by case basis. Um, obviously, making sure that um, you're using kind of secure non-default passwords is a key thing as well. But kind of like back to another point that I was making earlier about um, some companies not even being aware of of, kind of you know who, who the asset owner would be for a particular yeah. um you know uh, uh, for a particular server and their environment. It's yes, uh, you know everyone's kind of starting from a different position, so. Yeah, it it depends really on the uh, on on the customer.
0: Yeah, certainly, lots to think about. <laughs>
1: yeah, one hundred percent.
0: Oh boy, yeah, wow. Well, I really appreciate that, Jonathan. That's sensational. You've yeah. certainly opened up my eyes um, to this world of, you know, security and penetration testing. My God, it's just another whole window, another whole world um, that's quite in depth. Um, but if people want to find a way to contact you and reach out, is there a, a best way to do that?
1: Just um, i take, get in touch with me on on LinkedIn. Um, just uh, mention the podcast. I'm i always more than happy to uh, to connect with people and uh, and, and chat with them. Um, there's no issue there at all. Uh, kind of you know, back to the soft skills thing. If you, if you, if you send me a, a random connect, I may not necessarily accept it, but if <laughs> you add a nice little note in there, um, I'm 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 you know ninety nine times out of one hundred, I'm going to accept it. Yeah,
0: oh, sensational. Uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to chat
1: to people. So, catch you yeah. there.
0: Awesome. Jonathan, well, I'll, I'll put your uh, LinkedIn um, handle in the uh, show notes for everybody yep. and really appreciate you coming on the show and spending your, your time and, you know, sharing your expertise with us. It's been absolutely fascinating. Yep. Um, and I hope everybody enjoyed that as much as I did. Certainly lots to think about. And for everybody wanting to get into that world, as Jonathan mentioned, try and reach out to some people that's uh, that have been doing it, that have some experience really try and pick their brains, really try and understand what you might be getting yourself into because it can look, you know, quite different from the outside, I think, before you actually go in and experience it. But I'm oh, sure yeah. it's extremely rewarding, you know, if you have the right mindset and you have and you have a passion for it.
1: Definitely. And um, then, yeah, thanks very much for having me on your show. It's, uh, you know, I really, really pre- appreciate the opportunity to come on. And,
0: uh, oh, fantastic. Really appreciate it. Anything else you want to leave us with?
1: Oh, stay safe out there. It's a, it's, a, it's a jungle out there, as they say. So yep. uh, yeah, yeah,
0: stay safe. Love it. Well, Jonathan, thanks again. Have a great day. And everybody out there, we hope you enjoyed that. We'll see you very, very soon for another episode and some more tech series episodes as well. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of Saul Searching, the Saul Recruitment Podcast. If you'd like to join me as a guest on the show, I would be delighted to collaborate. Feel free to buzz me on 0414 659 800 or email me on darren at saulrecruitment.com.au. I'm always on the lookout for great guests who can share their stories and expertise with my community. But for now, though, have a fantastic day and I'll see you next time.